0: This morning's reading is Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 11, and can be found on page 1015 in the Pew Bibles. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, "'Go to the village ahead of you, "'and just as you enter it, "'you will find a colt tied there, "'which no one has ever ridden. "'Untie it and bring it here. "'If anyone asks you why you're doing this, say, "'The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly.' "'They went and found a colt outside in the street.' Tied at a doorway, and as they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing, untying that colt? They answered, that Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat in it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut from the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Bill. Let's pray again together, shall we? Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you dwell deeply within it. Lord, would you come alive in your word this morning for us? Would we know and hear your voice in it? Would you challenge us, Lord? Would you change us to become more like you? And would we know you? as King of kings and Lord of lords in this place. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, this is a very well-known reading, isn't it? It's one we usually have at this time of year. I think the Lord has placed just two things uh, on my heart for this morning. They don't start even with the same letter, so uh, forgive me for that. But the first thing that is in uh, this passage, which is really clear to see, is this idea of obedience. It's the very first thing we see in this reading right at the start, this extraordinary obedience of these two disciples i always find this part of the story really amazing jesus tells the disciples to go and do something and they just go and do it this is obedience at its heart Uh, To be your vicar, uh, I had to own a dog. It was one of the requirements. I think it was part of uh, only those that had dogs listed were shortlisted for interview. Uh, It's very much a requirement to have a dog to be part of your uh, vicar. I do have a dog. He's called Sammy. Sammy the dog is sometimes obedient. Uh, I was, in fact, going to bring him here to do this illustration live with you, but they warned me never to work with animals, and so uh, I'm not doing that. But we did film a couple of videos yesterday. Let's watch the first one here, and Sammy's in the left-hand corner. Turn the volume up a little, thank you. Look at that for obedience. There we go. Uh, I'm very proud of Sammy for that. So I don't think it would have happened if it have been here. Thank you for that. It doesn't always happen, but it did on that occasion. What do we see him doing in that video? Well, he hears me telling him what it is he needs to do. He does it. He can see me for the most part. He keeps his attention on me. He knows what it is I'm asking him to do. Uh, Now, uh, a little bit later, I got some friends to help me, uh, and we did this again. Let's let's watch this. Could we just have the volume a little louder, Andrew? Thank you. There we go. Now, in that video, there are lots of people wanting uh, Sammy's attention. He goes from uh, one to the other. He doesn't actually listen to me at all or come near me and eventually settles on Davita, his favorite, uh, in that moment. There's almost so much going on, he doesn't know who to listen to or what to do. Now, in our passage, the disciples have the advantage of knowing exactly what it is that Jesus is asking them to do. He is there with them. He is in the flesh with them, And perhaps for us, obedience looks easier for them, easier in that setting than it does for us. But Jesus is here. His spirit is with us. We pray that every time we come to communion together, do we believe it? Each and every week, we look at this book together and we study this book together. It tells us what he is telling us to do. Just in the last uh, three months or so, we've looked at what the markers of discipleship are, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, of being with Jesus, of becoming more like Jesus, and of doing the things that Jesus did. The first of those is to be with Jesus. These disciples are able to obey him because they are with him. They know him. They don't allow themselves to get distracted by all that's going on Around them. Sammy in that video, that first video obeys me because there isn't other distractions. There aren't other things on offer elsewhere for him. We need, as our first priority as followers of Jesus, to be with Jesus first and foremost. As I suspect as we've thought this term about growing our faith, about growing our discipleship with Jesus, many of us have been challenged by the things that we've talked about. For some of us, it may have been that very first challenge to spend more time with Jesus in the quiet. But then we never found the space or the time that worked. Maybe it was the challenge to gather together in corporate prayer, as we do each month. But then something happened, or we got distracted, or we missed the time. Maybe we had a plan to read the Bible at 7 a.m. every morning, but then the alarm snooze button was more appealing. Maybe we decided to fast for a day, but the cake shop was a bit too appealing. Maybe we felt we should be giving if our finances, but then we got concerned by the rising costs around us. Maybe we got excited about being on a team and serving in some way, but then realized that really and truly we're not sure we have the time. Maybe we felt convicted to forgive or convicted to be peacemakers in society. But then bitterness and resentment slipped back in. I'll say it again. These disciples only obey Jesus because they are with him, because they commit to being with him, because they know him, and they don't allow themselves to be distracted by all that else is going on. These disciples trust Jesus, and he is proven to be trustworthy. If the Lord calls us to do something, he will and is faithful. So where are we with this obedience of Jesus today? Over the last few weeks and months, have we been challenged by the things that we've heard, but then left unchanged? Are we attentive to Jesus? Are we listening to his voice? Or are we more like Sammy in that second video, going from place to place, unsure of what to do? The second thing that I wanted to talk about from this passage that I think we see really clearly this morning is about worship. We read in our passage, I read them right at the beginning of the service as well. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that are cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest heavens! This is worship. This is focusing on Jesus. Now, for much of Jesus' ministry, he's despised, he's rejected. Often the adoring crowds uh, followed him only for what they could get from him. Most of his audience rejected any kind of personal commitment to him. On this day, they lavished the attention and the honor that Jesus deserved on him. They used their clothes as a saddle for the colt uh, and as a red carpet for the colt. He rode on. And considering the value of the clothing in those days, this was generous worship. This was an act of generous praise. This is what worship, this is what Jesus deserves of us. He deserves our adoration. He deserves our affection. He deserves our attention. I've spoken in this place before about a survey that I've done in other churches We may yet do it here, about church health. Uh, And uh, it gives you various statements and asks you to grade that statement between one and five, one being strongly disagree, five being strongly agree. If you remember the last time I raised this, the statement I asked you to consider was, I firmly believe that God will work even more powerfully in our church in the coming years. And I asked you what you felt about that. One of the other statements it asks you to consider is this one. I am often bored during worship services. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up between one and five for that, but just for a moment, Mark, where you are between one and five. Do you strongly disagree with that statement? Are you never bored? Or do you strongly agree? Are you always bored? Just as you consider that, we're going to watch uh, another video uh, together. It's a spoof video. Uh, I, it's, it's meant to be funny. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to hear the words uh, as they're sung. Let's watch this together
2: sing of your love on Sundays. Only sing of your love on Sundays. I will sing of your love on Sundays. Then this feeling is gone by my i
1: I think I particularly like I surrender some. I think that's my, uh, my favorite uh, of those responses. And uh, there are maybe a couple of responses to watching that. You might think, uh, how funny, I'm so glad I'm not like that. Uh, or, or you might think, oh dear, I know I'm something a bit like that. Uh, or you might be somewhere between the two. If we find ourselves... Bored on a Sunday service and our Sunday worship, when we come to worship God, even outside of a Sunday, there may be all sorts of reasons why that is the case. It may be simple complacency. This is probably my biggest issue. Life just gets in the way sometimes. Back to Sammy, there's so many things going on to vie for our attention, to take for our attention, that sometimes Jesus doesn't get a look in maybe there's so much going on in our own lives, or maybe even in the world, it feels so hard to concentrate on Jesus. It feels hard to praise him when there's so much going on and so much sadness in our lives or in the world. Some of us will remember we considered the letters to the churches in Revelation last year. Remember the church in Ephesus was told you have forgotten the love you had at first. Maybe that's a warning for us. Maybe we're at disunity uh, with somebody or, some, or there's something going on internally to make you feel the way you do. Maybe for some of you think it's my fault. I'm your vicar uh, and uh, maybe there's more that I should be doing. And I'm sure there are more things that I can be doing, more that we, those of us who lead your services, lead the services, can be doing. But the principal responsibility to engage with God in worship is on us as his children, on us as his people. I may have uh, told you this story before. I've certainly told it as part of Living Free. Forgive me if I've told it you here before, but it still speaks to me uh, really clearly. A number of years ago, I was in another church, part of the worship team, and one of the other worship leaders that was there, I didn't get on with particularly well. He always seemed to choose the songs that I really didn't like. He used to pick songs uh, that I didn't like and play them in a way that I didn't like. And I found it really hard to engage in worship when he uh, was leading worship. So much so that if I'm honest, there were occasions because I saw the worship loader that I wouldn't go when he was leading worship because I just didn't feel I could engage in the worship. And I would had a really long week and I went to church that evening expecting another friend of mine to be leading worship. And he was there. My friend uh, was ill. And for the first song, song and a half, I felt so angry, so grumpy with this situation, so disengaged with what was going on. I sort of mumbled the words of the songs. And then God, in his graciousness, convicted me and said, Adam, why are you here? What is the purpose of you being here? And I repented and I engaged with God in that worship as best as I could. He was the one that I was there to worship. Now, what happened next, you need to understand, had never happened in the living memory of the church. As far as I'm aware, it hasn't happened since. At the very end of the block of worship, someone at the front of the church shared outwardly a spoken word in a tongue, a foreign language. We see that in Scripture. It happens in churches. It hadn't happened in this church before. He spoke a tongue out in uh, in a foreign language. And as he did so, God spoke so clearly to me the translation of the words that he was saying. Again, we see that in Scripture. If I'd have remained in that place, in that place of grumpiness, in that place of disengagement, if I hadn't repented and come before Jesus and engaged with him in worship, would I have heard him so clearly? I don't know. I wonder. My eyes were not fixed on Jesus. This is what worship is about. It's about fixing our eyes on him, about coming before him. And I think this is particularly relevant for us in this season of life as a church. I think it's relevant for us today even. Yesterday, I gathered uh, together with half a dozen or so people to pray prophetically for St. George, for St. George, for St. Jude's, that's where we are. Uh, uh, We don't think we pray for St. George, we did pray for St. Jude's. We asked the Lord, what are you saying to us at the moment for the life of this church? And it's often the case, God spoke clearly, he spoke consistently across a number of people. And when he does that, I think it's really important uh, that we listen to so say he did that yesterday and i've asked one of those people david who's going to come and share rather than me try and interpret that i'm going to ask david to come and share uh, something of what he was saying yesterday thank you david can we have the lectern on andrew thank you
2: so as adam said uh, a group of us meet each month to pray and listen to god when we were meeting yesterday we were thinking about what it would be like to be a church not focused on success but instead focused on God's glory. And one of the people there had a vision of an old mirror, which was very dirty and murky. When you got up close, you could faintly make out the face of Christ in the mirror. Another person had had their attention drawn to a verse in the Bible about the face of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Another person had been thinking about how Jesus was the the light of the world, and another was struck by the idea of God's light revealing the things that need to be sorted out in our lives. So in summary, we realized again that we need to be captivated by the lovely light and glory that we see in the face of Christ. And what holds us back as individuals and a church is not opening up fully to that light. So it would be momentous if more and more we're letting God's light convict us of our faults, we're receiving his total forgiveness, and we're being liberated from issues that are holding us back from living for him. And we're focused on Jesus throughout our week, looking in delight at God's glory that we can see in Christ's face.
1: David this is a call on all of our lives to look to him and to see him at work in our lives in our church to know that he is here because he is here his spirit is with us we pray that as I say every time we come to communion he is here his spirit is with us here's a call on our lives at the 9 a.m. prayer breakfast yesterday as we listened in the choir the Lord reminded me of this famous verse come to me all who are weary and burdened And I will give you rest. The first words come to me. That's what Jesus says to us. It's a simple command come to me. He's inviting us all, no matter how weary or burdened we are, to come. And He's offering us this rest, this refreshment. We need to obey Him, but we need His presence more than we need anything else in our lives. If we have his presence in our lives, obeying him will be as easy it is as it is for those disciples. We will see his truth. His, we will see that we can trust him. We will see his faithfulness at work in our lives. He deserves our adoration. He deserves our attention. He deserves our affection. I wonder if you would stand with me. We're going to sing to worship again in a moment or two. Let's first and foremost, once again, come before Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The God who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Lord, we praise you that your light shines out of the darkness. We praise you for the glory that we can see displayed in the face of Christ. Lord, we come before you afresh and lift our eyes to you. We praise you that you are here. And we pray, come and meet with us and make us know your presence tangibly here. I was about to say, Um, If you feel like you need more of God's presence in your life. Um, But I suspect all of us feel like we need more of God's presence in our lives. I certainly do. Lord, we need you. We're desperate for your presence with us. We're desperate to know your presence with us. Lord, would you help us to keep our eyes fixed on you not distracted by all that is going on around us. And Lord, we praise you for the obedience of your disciples. We praise you for the the trust that they have in you to follow your commands. We thank you for the times that we've been challenged over the last weeks and months and years. And we're sorry for the times when we've forgotten that, when we've walked from this place unchanged. Lord, as we focus our attention on you, would you help us to grow more into your likeness? Would you help us to see you at work in us? Would you help us to, uh, to know your power at work? In us. As we were praying before the service, someone was reminded of um. Verse 9 of Psalm 41, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Obviously, prophetically speaking of Judas, their Lord, but you still went to the cross. We praise you that you did that for us. And we praise you that you know us and that you love us. That you know all of our weaknesses and that you love us. It may be this morning that um, you've particularly noted that God has been challenging you, wanting you to draw near to him afresh. Um, If that's the case, we'd love to pray with you and for you before you go from here to seal what God is already doing in your lives. Members of the prayer ministry team, as we worship in a moment, will be in the chancel, which is to my left, your right, Go and pray with them, either during this next song or as we finish our service together. Lord, would you continue the work that you have begun in us? Would you remind us of that call, that simple call, to come to you, all who are weary and burdened, and that promise of rest? Holy Spirit, would you move us and meet with us, we pray. Let's worship together.